If you enjoy listening to this podcast, we ask you to consider supporting it by making a reoccurring or one-time donation. Visit Mayflower's website at www.mayflowerucc.org and click on the Donate Now button. Donations made to Mayflower's Radio Fund are tax-deductible and go toward keeping this podcast available. Thank you for your support. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City by the Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at one of America's premier liberal Protestant pulpits. At Mayflower, we are an open and affirming peace and justice church where we believe that religion should be biblically responsible, intellectually honest, emotionally satisfying, and socially significant. We go now to the pulpit of Mayflower UCC Church of Oklahoma City and to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the gospel according to John chapter 6, six verses 51 through 60. We even have Bibles in the pews if you want to pull it out and crack it open. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died, but the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult. Who can accept it? Here ends the reading inspired by God. May God grant to us wisdom and courage for interpretation. This week, as I talked with my preacher nerd friends about sermonizing, we all came to the conclusion that the lectionary is having a moment. <laughs> An entire month, actually. The lectionary this month is the equivalent to what is known in politics as the Friday news dump a strategy of releasing bad news or documents on a Friday afternoon in an attempt to avoid media scrutiny. I know many of you are watching reruns of The West Wing as a coping strategy. <laughs> so I will remind you of a West Wing episode called Take Out the Trash Day, in which Josh explains to Donna any stories we have to give to the press that we're not wild about, we give all in a lump on Friday. They've got X column inches to fill, right? They're gonna fill them no matter what, so if we give them one story, that story is the whole column. If we give them five stories, they're a fifth the size. So it is with the lectionary. 
If you think today's reading was bad with its eat my flesh and drink my blood, listen to one of the other options found in 2 Samuel chapter 18. Absalom was riding on his mule and the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak. His head caught fast in the oak and he was left hanging between heaven and earth while the mule that was under him went on. And 10 young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. (sighs) So eat my flesh and drink my blood it is. Let me begin with this. There is likely not a single word in the Gospel of John that Jesus ever spoke. There is likely not a single word in the Gospel of John that Jesus ever spoke. The most succinct way to explain why I'd say such a thing is to point you to the research done by the fellows at the Jesus Seminar, of which our own dear senior minister is part. The Jesus Seminar went through the Gospels and reviewed each of the sayings and deeds attributed to Jesus and then color-coded them to indicate each one's degree of authenticity. Red, likely authentic. Pink, somewhat likely. Gray, somewhat unlikely. Or black, really, really unlikely to be authentic. According to the scholars of the Jesus Seminar, nothing in John's entire gospel earns a red highlight. In fact, only one saying of Jesus was even designated pink. The rest of the gospel was determined to be gray and black, indicating that it's not likely that Jesus said any of what is attributed to him in this gospel. Or as I said, there is likely not a single word in the gospel of John that Jesus ever spoke. It is at this point that someone usually brings a charge of heresy. While there are plenty of reasons to call the good people of Mayflower a bunch of heretics, it's not because we insist on being biblically responsible. Biblical scholarship reveals new understandings, although fundamentalists experience it as an attack on the foundation of Christianity, as if considering social and historical context and genre will start a religious freefall into a bottomless pit of godlessness. The argument usually goes like this. If every word in the Bible isn't literally true, then none of it can be true. I've I've heard that some people are surprised to find we keep Bibles in the pews around here, much less read it and preach from it. And yet here we are, studying it in all of its magnificent imperfection. But to be fair, progressive Christians often prefer to avoid texts like this altogether too messy. And given that there is likely not a single word of the Gospel of John that Jesus ever spoke, it's all the more reason to remove this Gospel from the canon. But as we tell our children in Sunday school, the lack of authenticity as a saying of Jesus makes it all the more important to ask questions, poke at the parts we don't understand, and then discern a faithful response. Besides, it's a little late to remove it from the Bible. 
the church has developed doctrine around these particular verses. That's interesting. The word ministers sometimes used to mean really gross. I mean, the church took the verse, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them, and developed the doctrine of transubstantiation, which says that the bread and wine become the body and blood of Jesus. Again, this is really quite something, especially if there's not a single word in John that Jesus ever spoke. All of this is rooted in literalism, of course. Ironically, the Gospel of John challenges literalism at every point. John's understanding of Jesus is not about what Jesus literally said or what Jesus literally did. John is a Jewish writer writing a Jewish book that transcends literalism at every point, and he draws his major images from Jewish mysticism as he seeks to tell the story of Jesus' life as one who transcends limits, breaks barriers, and invites us all into a new place that he represents. This gospel is not about God becoming human, not about God putting on flesh and masquerading as a human being. It is about the divine appearing in the human and calling the human to a new understanding of what divinity means. It is about bringing God out of the sky and redefining God as the ultimate dimension of the human. It is about the spirit transcending the limits of the flesh, not in some pious or religious sense, but in opening the flesh to all that it means to be human. It is about seeing Jesus as the doorway into a new consciousness which is also a doorway into God, who might be perceived as a universal consciousness, or in Mayflower ease, the luminous web. So in order to read this gospel, we must, in a radical act of faithfulness, lay aside literalism. Letting go of literalism is notoriously difficult for people to do, so difficult that it could be argued that challenging literalism is the point of John's gospel, like that's just why he wrote it. At almost every turn, John tries to get the reader to encounter Jesus in a non-literal way. Jesus in the fourth gospel exposes literalism, while religion, both then and now, hides in it. We hear this push against literalism in Jesus' exchange with Nicodemus when Jesus says, you must be born again. Nicodemus is a literalist, so he responds, born again? How can I climb back into my mother's womb? Literalism can never endure such a transition, so Nicodemus chooses to remain in the dark. We hear it again in Jesus' exchange with the Samaritan woman at the well. She, too, was a literalist. Jesus asks for water to quench his thirst. She reminds him of the boundary between Jew and Samaritan. Jesus responds, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Trapped in literalism, the woman responds, man, you don't even have a bucket. 
It's a loose translation. <laughs> she hears his words, but not his meaning. Once more, literalism is held up to ridicule. The passage today is the same. The literalists who heard Jesus say, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them, responded with, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And the disciples too heard it as cannibalism and really responded quite reasonably. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And from what I can tell, there have been two basic responses for those coming after the disciples. The first was for the church to go all in with literalism, not just with transubstantiation, but with gatekeeping, making sure whoever comes to the table is in fact worthy. Please have your picture ID out. I mean, we can't let everybody in. The second response was for the rest of us to say, nah, to the whole thing, thereby never reclaiming the most radical part of Jesus' public ministry, table practice, sharing a meal, which of course puts one at risk of being face to face with those who respectable people would otherwise avoid. Better to stay in our Prius with the windows rolled up and donate to NPR later. <laughs> Safety. That's really what it's about, right? Safety. This is perhaps why the two most common responses to the Gospel of John are literalism and dismissal. Both responses are a safer route, and we do love to feel safe. Literalism allows us to stay safely behind the line of us and them, rule followers and rule breakers, to say, stay safely inside the church walls where we keep everything shiny and polished, to stay safely outside the fray of politics, since polite company never mixes politics and religion. Dismissing the text is safe too, allowing us to say, Stay safely detached, never engaging our holy imagination, never taking Jesus as seriously as we claim to do. But if we read the text again, when John, the non-literalist, has Jesus say we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, what we might hear instead is Jesus saying, you have to take all of me, not just the sayings that are easy, the difficult ones too, the ones that put you at risk of encountering the other, the teachings that inspire real resistance, the kind that requires actual sacrifice, not just lifestyle liberalism. That is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? I mean, after all, if we accept all of Jesus' teachings, including the difficult ones like pray for your enemies and love your neighbor as yourself, we'll end up conversing instead of arguing. 
We, we might be moved to community organize around economic injustice instead of just avoiding Walmart. Or, or we might give our money to cover the cost of a DACA renewal instead of buying something to keep up with the Joneses. We'll spend zero time wondering if we've worshipped God enough and all our time noticing the divinity of people at the office, at the border, across the street. When we stop worrying about what exactly happens to the bread and the wine, we'll be free to think about how Jesus used meals to show his disciples all of us matter and that God has a particular preference for the marginalized, the outcast, and those with pre-existing conditions. We will be less obsessed with deciding who's in and who's out, as if we were in charge of that anyway. So now that we've done some exegesis, reviewed some biblical scholarship, hashed out literalism and figurative language, we get to decide. We get to decide. Dr. Ellen Blue, one of my seminary professors, reminded us often that Christianity does not exist except when the teachings of Jesus are embodied in a particular time and place by particular people. The good news is that we're in the right place to practice embodying the teachings of Jesus. This is what the church is for. It is not a place of perfection but a place of practice. And this morning, we are going to work on table practice. So the question is, what do we need to practice today? Perhaps it is coming to the table at all. Just leave whatever baggage you brought today under the pew, and don't worry about picking it up again when it's time to leave. Someone will clean it up. Or is, that, is it that, that we need to practice coming to the table together? No more isolation, no more being an island. We've got to bump elbows with other people who are doing their best to figure it out so that you realize you're not alone. Maybe coming to the table together will give you the courage then to invite someone to lunch when we're finished here. Maybe you need to practice bringing your whole self to the table. Maybe it's just coming to the table, believing that you are indeed worthy. And if you can't believe that yet, at least trust that God believes it. I mean, who else do you think this table is set for but you? And you? And you? Even that whole back row? It's set just for you. So let's practice together, friends. You've been listening to the preaching and teaching of Reverend Lori Walkie, Associate Minister at Mayflower Congregational UCC Church of Oklahoma City. More information about the church can be found at mayflowerucc.org or by visiting Mayflower's Facebook page. Worship services are every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. with adult education classes at 10 a.m. Mayflower also has a full church school for children of all ages available during the 11 a.m. service. Mayflower is located on Northwest 63rd Street, 
one block west of Portland. Thank you for listening.